Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the awesome Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew? What? I'm I'm confused. Why would you give me a superlative like that? Usually you... You give me some word that I've never heard of that refers to how poorly the Giants are playing and it's all my fault. And and yet now I'm awesome. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll take it. Uh, Moving on. <laughs> well, because that's how, that's how I feel about the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, we've seen a lot of the Atlanta Braves <laughs> recently and they're pretty awesome. Matthew and I know I know I know this is a Giants podcast and 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 everybody's rolling their eyes and, and just like like oh no blah 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 look look, look there's a tie in there's a tie into the there's a tie into the Giants like 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 here's the thing the Braves are so awesome that I don't really think that we can worry about the Braves right like you know if the Braves had beaten the Giants in the last two series six to nothing. That would have been fine. I think we should all feel lucky that we went two and four against the Braves over the last two series because they're awesome. Right? Like, sure. you know how it is being awesome that when other people play you well, heck, in one of those series, they almost won one of those games. They could have been three and five. <laughs> or, <laughs> wait, no, 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 they could have been three and. I yeah. forgot. I forgot how to math, Matthew. <laughs> they could have been three and three. I forgot how to math. They could have been three and three. That's what I'm trying to say. They could have been three and three against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you know, by accident, because they really shouldn't be. I mean, it's clear the Braves are the superior team. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that like you know, lots of teams make the playoffs. And here's the thing, Matthew: the Giants could make the playoffs by some miracle win in their first round and then not play the Braves. They could play the other team that gets the bye and then the Braves could lose (laughs) in that other series in the playoffs and then the Giants wouldn't have to play them in the playoffs. And so there's still a way, Matthew, there's still a way that this 84-win team that are the San Francisco Giants could win the World Series. Are you drunk? <laughs> I'm very drunk. I have been drinking. I have been drinking since uh, since the Monday game against the Rays, Matthew. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> it makes <laughs> and, it makes watching the Giants so much better. <laughs> and then you know, and I got to tell you, like one of the Giants wins this week, you know, on Wednesday against the Phillies. You know, when my boy Camilo blew his, I don't know, a millionth save in a row. Um, and I still believe I'm still, I'm still, look, if this team, if Camilo isn't doing well, the San Francisco Giants are going to do jack squat this year, folks. Like if Camilo Duvall falters, you can just 
kiss any hope of any postseason well, right. uh, miracles. I mean, we're not we're not running away with any games. Right, every game's going to be close. Right, right. Camilo has got to be there. Right, and so does Tyler, and so does Taylor, and so does Alexander. Right, like all of those guys need to be great, but especially Camilo because Camilo's going to be the guy who's going to be asked to come in and get five outs. Right, and Camilo needs to be the guy. And I know he went into a little bit of a slump. And the only reason that slump mattered is because our offense is atrocious. It's absolute trash. It's total garbage. And and that's why Camilo's slump looks so bad, right? Like a good team can absorb their closer going into a slump because all closers go into slumps, folks. I know, I know. Half of you out there, like that's all you do is hate on the closer. <laughs> but the other half of you, you know what's up. You know how it is. Right. A closer gives up one run and everybody hates his guts. A starting pitcher gives up one run and everybody say like, oh, he kept the damage down. What a good job. <laughs> well, yeah, a, a starting pitcher gives up three in five and uh, that's considered a quality start. You know, that's so, right. You know, that's a, right. A closer a, a, gives a closer up one have... run and everybody hates his guts. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Camilo is the second or best player on the San Francisco Giants, and uh, yeah, he's in a little bit of a rut right now. Well, although he got out of it today, he did. Looked he pretty got good out today. today. Looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, what I'm saying, Matthew, is is that um, you don't have to be awesome to make the playoffs, and then you can always go on a lucky run. So today we're going to be talking about: Do the Giants have a chance of making the playoffs? And I think we're going to lean into being positive. Right. Look, this is an 84 win team and 84 win teams have a 50 50 shot of making the playoffs. <laughs> so have hope, Giants fans. With that said, Matthew, I've got a question for you. OK. Given that. We're struggling. Right. I mean, we're playing a lot of good teams and the good teams are proving to us that we are not a good team. Yeah. I have a question for you. Like if you could make one roster change on the Giants 26 man roster, what would it be? One Ross. Well, see, that's the problem is that there's. Oh, there's, you think there's more? <laughs> there's. There's, you think there's, there's not just up in a one that's going to fix this this dumpster fire right now, but uh, uh, I don't know fire. who would. It, Is this Alex, another one of those shows where I'm going to have to be the positive guy? And you're it, you the know, it might guy? you might be have to be the positive guy for the rest of the season. I'm just oh, telling you right now. Dear Lord, this is. <laughs> mm. I'm uh, need more rum. Yeah, yeah. I, but you know, if you're going to twist my arm, Alex would. Okay, I I would. Uh, oh wow! Get rid of Alex Wood, and I would have done that like after he mouthed off, you know, last week. But uh, yeah. uh, but I would have, you know, even maybe at the trade deadline or something like that, you know. Uh, mm. uh, maybe maybe uh, get rid of him and bring up uh, the you know Keaton Wynn, who's now you know rehabbing from his injury. So, um, oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking. I mean, obviously, we need more offense, but I just really don't see anybody down there that's going to, you know, make uh, that right. big of an impact. So I don't know. I mean, right? That's what you don't. Relates. You don't see a way, given the Giants' current forty men and even beyond, that the Giants could make an impact change 
here as we approach the the end of August. And by the way, folks, if you're not on the 26-man roster by uh, August 31st, by the end of August, I think you have to play on August 31st, or you have to be on the roster by August 31st. You cannot be on a postseason roster, right? Any any player that has been on the roster uh, before this time, I believe, so that would include people like Joey Bart, uh, they can play in the playoffs. But if you're not on the roster by that day, then um, then you cannot participate in the playoffs. So so I think over the next few days, we should be paying attention to that because that means like anybody that the Giants get on the roster, those are players that the Giants are hoping or believing that could be on a playoff roster. And I know, I know a lot of you are laughing. A lot of you are saying like, what playoff roster? I get it. I understand. I'm there too. But hey, look, this is and always has been an 84-win team. And an 84-win team is only going to make the playoffs by the skin of its teeth. Probably by becoming an 86-win team by going on a run in the last week. And... After the Dodgers are like, you know, starting their uh, their their AAA guys just so they can rest up for. The- That's right. That's right. Because the Giants are going to be playing a lot of the, the, the Dodgers in the last. But you know what? They're, the, the roster. The, the, sorry. The schedule gets a lot easier here pretty quick, Matthew. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't, though. I mean, yeah, we play Colorado for a number of games. You got you got Cleveland sprinkled in there. So there's like 10 games that are pretty easy. But then I don't count the Padres as easy games. I like, uh, th- those those scare me. Bob, Bob, what are the Padres going to do? The Padres are gonna Padre. Exactly right. And I know that you're wearing a Padre color shirt tonight, Matthew. By the way, which nobody's going to take my word for it because they can't see you, but I can see you. You tried to tell you know, me this was the orange coloring and black. of the it light. Is, it's it is yellow shirt. and brown. It's an orange shirt. It is yellow and brown. That shirt is yellow and brown. Anyway, today is Sunday, August twenty seventh, as we record this podcast your san francisco giants went two and four this week to bring their record to 67 and 63 they lost a series to the philadelphia phillies pulling out the last game in a miracle win that felt like a kind of win that could turn the season around unfortunately for them they had to come home and play the best team in baseball the atlanta braves so they didn't turn their season around. They did salvage the third game of that series with a home run from Casey Schmidt, future Hall of Famer, as well as uh, timely hits from other players. (laughs) Like, oh, right, Patrick Bailey. He had that big double. That went right over the first baseman's glove. Man, you know... Sometimes you just need a little luck, and uh, yeah. the Giants haven't been getting a lot of that lately. So I, I'll I, take okay, it. I will say this now. I know last week I talked a lot about how like everybody's been been like you know saying that the Giants are unlucky, right? You know, and, and this this was a big topic last year too around the Giants defense. Oh, the Giants defense going to get better? It didn't. Uh, but everybody said you know like the Giants have been the product of bad luck, and then this year it was all about expected batting average, right? I even put that in the title of our of our of our last episode. I don't know if people got that or not, but that's what the X debut was all about. The expected debut. 
of Kyle Harrison. You know, it was all about expected batting average. And everybody is, you know, I talked about this last week, how everybody thinks that means that's what their batting average should be. But it turns out, no, that's what your batting average is when you remove defense as a factor. But it turns out defense actually matters. Well, I heard from Dave Fleming this week while watching one of the games that that he related this stat that said that the Giants over like the last two months or so had the worst, uh, they were the worst recipient of great defense against them. Right. Which is something that is entirely out of your control. But they just had people making fantastic plays after fantastic plays like defensive runs saved against them was the highest in baseball over a period of like two months, at least a month. It was two months, two months. Yeah, that's brutal. And I will say this. That is bad luck. There is zero that the Giants can do about that. There is zero that the Giants can do about that because that stat is determined based on like, oh, that's a run you should not have saved, <laughs> but you did. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just bad luck. So I, I will say this, you know, there has been a little bit of bad luck, uh, you know, but at the same time, also, you know, uh, your offense ha- has has not been great for, for quite a while. Um, the... Uh, Oh, let's see. Oh, yeah. We were going to talk about the standings. That's right. Where do the Giants stand in the standings after all of these brutal series losses against good teams? Well, folks, they were not going to win the division anyway. I, I, I don't know that if anybody of you is still hanging on to that. But the Los Angeles Dodgers are one win away from clinching a 500 record in August. 12 games behind them are the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then a game and a half behind them are the San Francisco Giants, who, by the way, also now have a run differential of negative two. Their expected win-loss record, therefore, is 65 and 65. So if you're one of those people who believes in luck and all of that sort of stuff, the Giants have been lucky in that they're four games over 500 instead of being 500. But we all know the Giants aren't going to win the division. That's not really the standings that matter. So over here in the wild card spot, they are on the outside looking in for the first time oh, in a while. No. Indeed. They Game are and a half a back di- of the D-Bags. <sighs> the D-Bags. The D-Bags have... have okay, look. You know what? Uh, there's, a, there's a silver lining here. There's a silver lining here, Matthew. The Arizona D-Bags have been 8-2 and two over their last 10. They lost like nine in a row, didn't they, at one point recently? They've yeah. salvaged their season. They've charged past the Giants. They're now in the third wild card spot, a game and a half ahead. The Giants are a game and a half back, tied with the Cincinnati Reds, and a game and a half ahead of the fading Miami Marlins. Um, and then five games behind them are the San Diego Padres. The Padres are done, folks. <laughs> they have a run differential of positive 53 but ben's calling them toast (laughs) (laughs) hey bob what are the padres gonna do the padres are gonna padre i can't even imagine being a padre fan matthew how can you do it i i yeah i think that they're they're so laid back in san diego with all that sunshine that they just Mm kind of like you know it doesn't really Mm -hmm. bother them that the padres are gonna padre Right, right. The correct answer, Matthew, is, Ben, I'm not a Padre fan. Shut up. 
but so that just proves it. That just proves it. You're a closet Padre fan. That's oh my god. That, that's why you have that yellow and brown shirt. Uh, anyway, Matthew, tell us who's hot and who's not. Who is hot? Uh, well, you look at our at at the hitters hitting side. Uh, Jock Peterson is hot, folks. Batting four twenty nine this week with a five twenty nine on base. He's got a one point three eight six OPS on fire, and you know, batting against his uh, former team. So uh, definitely was a one of the hot ones. Uh, another hot player was Luis Matos. Luis is uh, batting 400 this week. Uh, granted, only 10 at bats, but 400. Uh, he had uh, three doubles uh, out of his four hits. So definitely uh, getting hot. Wade Meckler also uh, turning things around. He's such an atrocious start to his career. And now, uh, the last uh, last week, he was batting 375 with a 500 on base. So starting to see the reason why the the Giants were eager to to bring him up. Uh, let's see here on the pitching side, Tristan Beck, the guy that you loved, that AI Ben really loved so much. Yeah, uh, let's let's get is... this straight. I I was not I was not really high on Tristan Beck, <laughs> but my alter ego AI Ben loved him. While he gave up a few runs today, he actually was perfect through four uh, against the Braves and then, uh, you know, gave up uh, three runs without actually giving up a home run. Has uh, actually had a really good outing today. So I'm saying he's hot, which is going to be really important, I think, for the Giants over the last month to have someone like Tristan Beck who can give them long innings and and actually pitch well. Uh, and then <coughs> Alex Moore was uh, was was hot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? It sounded like you sneezed or coughed or something. Yeah. What did you say? <laughs> Alex Wood <clears throat> was was good. Oh, did you say Alex Wood was good? Yes. Is that what you said? That's what I said. Alex Wood did <laughs> two games this week, didn't give up any runs. Yeah. You know what he also didn't do this week, Matthew? He didn't start. Yeah. And you know what else? What? He didn't run his big fat mouth. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Alex Wood has done a lot of mop-up duty, and he's taken the ball, and he's done his job, because that's his job. Sounds like someone and, may have actually reminded him of that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I, I think zero people uh, on the Giants organization listen to this podcast, Matthew, so if you're implying that it was me or you, I hope it was. You know, I mean, I hope it was, right? Because sometimes these guys, they probably forget that they get, mil- they get paid millions of dollars to play a baseball game. You know, right. yeah. you know, and, and then and then they're mouthing off about it. It's like, shut your hole. You know, you suck and get it. I get it. Right. You, you, you suck against a lot of really good people, but you still suck. So stop running your mouth. And that's good. He's getting results. He's not running his mouth. Um, I think he's lucky to be on the roster. You know, he's, he's probably lucky that Keaton Wynn hurt his uh, hurt his elbow. Uh, but anyway. Uh, who's not? I, I do think there is one person we should talk about on the who's hot and who's not, who, sorry, who's not hot list. Yeah. Because, I mean, we already alluded to it earlier, and it's kind of a big deal. But that would be Camilo Duvall. He blew four saves in a row. Now, the Giants didn't lose all those games. I, I think they only lost two of them. They were able to salvage two of them. But Camilo blew four saves in a row. That's bad news. 
right? Bad news. Yeah. I mean, I think we've said everything that needs to be said here, but like if Camilo goes bad, I think the Giants just are toast. They're done. Right? They're done. I mean, look, the bottom line is they need uh, they need Camilo Duvall to be the all-star closer that he is or they're not going to do anything. Everybody knows that. And he had a great performance today. He had a he had a three three out performance against the Braves, a team that had had tagged him already. So I don't know that there's much to worry about here. I, I do like that uh, everybody has sort of you know talked about what he needs to do to get the, that job done, and I think everybody's on the same page. I'm not worried about Camilo. I think Camilo is the last guy on this team that you need to worry about. And with that said, Matthew, it's time for the trivia question. All right. Well, today's trivia question is kind of a nod to uh, the Giants' most recent uh, rookie debut. Kyle Harrison made his major league debut this last week and was one, well, he was Baseball America's uh, top-ranked left-handed pitcher uh, prospect in baseball. And so that got me thinking. Uh, So today's question is, what San Francisco Giant pitcher debuted in 2003 who was listed as Baseball America's top pitching prospect when he made his debut. Damian Moss, Australian native, (laughs) giant extraordinaire, Damian Moss. All right. Forever giant Damian Moss could be, could be the one could be the one. I'm surprised you didn't say that in an Australian accent. Oh, right. Um, Top of the morning to you, laddies. <laughs> I think that's more Scottish. The then. number one. Uh, is it? Well, thank you. I didn't know I could do a Scottish accent. That's very That's very kind of you. Top of the morning to you, laddies. The answer is Damien Morse. <laughs> well, I can't do an Australian accent to save my life, but uh, that was terrible. That was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, Internet. You're welcome. Enough with the banter. Let's talk cocktails. Oh, right. That's right. We got to do that, huh? All right. We haven't, we've been, see, we just get, we get so into the Giants. We've got about the cocktails. All right. Yeah, we would just say, yeah. It's like all we want to talk about is the San Francisco Giants. The, all right. Well, thanks, the, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Mediocre Giants. All right, Bob. Hit me. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, Bob, uh, as we introduced on last Thursday's Happy Hour episode, Friday was Whiskey Sour Day, National Whiskey Sour Day. And I had seven. <laughs> so I, I just had the one, and I am bringing it to the show today. It is a ginger rosemary whiskey sour. And how do you make it? Well, you add two ounces of bourbon, three-quarter ounces of lemon juice, and three-quarter ounce simple syrup, one egg white, two to three slices of fresh ginger, and a sprig of rosemary. And what you're going to do is you're going to take your simple syrup and your fresh ginger and about 10 to 12 uh, rosemary needles and throw those into the bottom of a glass and you muddle it really, really hard. Just just grind the crap out of it. And then you add all the other ingredients and you do a dry shake for about 10 vigorous seconds. Then you add some ice and do another shake uh, till well chilled. And then you're going to strain that into a rocks glass with fresh ice. 
and uh, garnish it with a sprig of rosemary and a fresh ginger chunk. And there you got a very refreshing ginger rosemary whiskey sour. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. Yes, it is, Bob. It is. It's a really good cocktail. So go make yourself a ginger rosemary whiskey sour. Hey, Bob, not only was that a tasty cocktail, but that is how Matthew described the muddling is not how he described it on the show on Thursday. And if you want to hear how Matthew described it on Thursday, I guess you're just going to have to go back and listen. Go back uh, and listen. I don't even remember yeah. how I described he it. He really got into that muddle. <laughs> he, he did. And somebody paid the price. Bob, ask, ask, ask Ben the question. What are you drinking, Ben? Oh, wait, me? My turn? It oh. is your turn. Well, well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Uh, I am also drinking a whiskey sour in honor of National Whiskey Sour Day. And, and I didn't actually drink seven, folks. I drank zero on that day because I drank mine earlier because we made our cocktails beforehand. But anyway, the cocktail that I am delivering is called Ben's Whiskey Sour. And it's a whiskey sour, which is a humble, simple cocktail like yours truly, gussied up. Like, you know, when we when we wear our good clothing and uh, what it has in it is two ounces of high proof rye whiskey must be rye, must be high proof. One ounce of simple syrup, one ounce of lemon juice, two dashes of Angostura bitters and one small egg white. Matthew gave me a hard time about this. He said that I could have just used a large double A egg white. And he's right. I could have. You can do that too. And bring a little bit of red wine for a red wine float. You take all of those, in, well, so sorry, you combine all the ingredients except the red wine into a shaker with no ice. You shake it for five seconds to emulsify the egg. Then you open the shaker and fill it with ice. And then you shake it again until chilled, like 10 to 15 seconds. And then you strain that into a rocks glass filled with fresh ice. So strain that. Don't do a dirty dump. Top it off with a red wine float, and then you add two brandied cherries as your garnish, and that's how you make Ben's Whiskey Sour. And that's what I'm drinking today, Bob. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. It is. It is very tasty. It's very flashy. It's also very humble. It's humble and flashy. <laughs> you know what, Matthew? There is one San Francisco giant who, you know, I, I don't know that I really would have described him this way, but like when I think about it, he strikes me as being a very humble guy. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and, and I think he was a guy like for me, he has been our starting second baseman for two years going now. Matthew, what is the name of the guy last year who was supposed to be our starting second baseman? You have two seconds to reply. One, one thousand. Tommy De La Stella. Wow, you did it. Tommy Lestella. I see I already forgot his name, but uh, Tommy Lestella. The point is he's out of baseball. Uh, And our actual starting second baseman last year was one Tyro Estrada. A guy who came out of the gates this season really hot. And I think for the month of like, what was it, May? Was like carrying the Giants. And even into June, right? He was he was there when the Giants' offense was tricking us into thinking that it was actually a good offense. And then he broke his hamate bone, 
and he had to go on the IL, and that particular position went into a tailspin. I mean, we did get a short reprieve when Casey Schmidt, a shortstop slash third baseman, was playing that position, but really, we missed Tyro Estrada deeply. He was gone for a long time, but he came back, he got healthy, (laughs) and what did he do when he came back, Matthew? He hit the ball. He was the same Tyro that he was when we left. Well, it turns out, today, Tyro called the team meeting. You know, the Giants have been getting their butts kicked by what Ben thinks are superior teams. I think Tyro would disagree. Matthew, what did Tyro say? Yeah, so what was interesting, we just saw an article on uh, from, I'm pretty sure it was Alex Pavlovich. Uh, no, actually, uh, one of the, on, on the NBC's app was uh, basically saying that Tyro got the team together, that he wanted the team to just go pitch by pitch, take the extra base, do the things that they were doing before, uh, really talk to them about how they were in a position to still make the playoffs and uh, really wanted to just motivate the team. And uh, and then in the, what was interesting in the article is that it mentions that, you know, uh, or what I find interesting as well is that, you know, Tyro is a uh, Spanish speaking uh, player who doesn't speak uh, fluent English. And so he used an interpreter and he asked the interpreter to 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 interpret word for word instead of paraphrasing. He was very specific about that, that he wanted them to understand word for word what he was saying. And uh, and then to hear the players afterwards were saying how much they needed to hear his message and how it was very motivating. And then and then the fact that Tyra went out and played a really good game. He scored two runs. Uh, you know, he drew a couple walks, uh, got a hit, uh, made a really great defensive play late in the game at second base. Uh, so I think just goes to show, you know, I think that from the fans perspective, you don't always know who the leaders in the clubhouse are. Uh, this article also said that the other uh, leader that has kind of come forward is Wilmer Flores. And both uh, Tyro and Wilmer Flores are, I think, kind of naturally quiet players. You know, they seem to be, at least on from from our perspective, the fans' perspective, to be kind of a quiet demeanor. Uh, but it turns out that both of them are very vocal within the clubhouse. And uh, it was kind of cool to see. And and I hope that, you know, it was it was, I hope that this is the spark that they needed. And I also feel like, you know, you, you kind of wonder sometimes where the leadership comes from in a clubhouse. And we got a real good insight into who that is, because I think, you know, from a pitching perspective, it's probably someone like Logan Webb. But from uh, the hitters side, I don't think we really knew, you know, who who the leaders were and who those who the players were that were going to kind of drive the, a message home. Maybe Yaz if he's healthy. Uh, but it turns out that Tyro was the guy that took upon himself. And, and it did say in the article, this is the first uh, kind of team meeting they've had this year. So um, Estrada called it and got everybody fired up and motivated for today's game. And hopefully we can see some momentum carry on in the future. I mean, that's really awesome to, to see and hear. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of times the Giants fans, as fans, we don't really know who the leaders are. I, I think Logan Webb has made himself be a very clear leader. Like, he wants to be a leader, yeah. uh, particularly for the the younger guys. I mean, he's actually has a really close relationship with, with Harrison, yeah. right? Yeah. And 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 I think it, it certainly certainly helps um, to have a guy like that who, you know, who is 
who who steps up and says he wants to take that role because I think I think I think Logan has definitely done that and also is a high performer. Right. And a lot of times you see guys in the past like like, you know, Buster Posey, people often referred to Buster as guy, a guy who leads by example. And I think Buster was so good and so um, such a just a presence that he could lead by example. Right. Like like his the way that Buster conducted himself and the way he played every day, I think, sent a message. But a lot of times when I think you have players who are playing well, like you kind of need them to step up and also take on that leadership role. And two of the best players this year. I mean, I can you point to two guys who have played better than Wilmer and Tyro? No, it would be hard. Yeah. Yeah. And and I totally agree that like Wilmer is a quiet guy. He, that's not really the role that he plays naturally. But you know what? The guy at this point is a well-established veteran. And I think he probably knows that he needs to take on that role. And I think it, it speaks volumes for Tyro, who is not, you know, clearly not a, comfortable speaking in English, but 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 wanted to send a message to the rest of the team, wants to be a leader. And so he goes to the interpreter and he says, listen to me, like, I need you to conduct this message exactly how I say this, because that's super important. And um yeah, so I, this is actually, I mean, I mean, this is super big for, for, for me. I think this speaks volumes, and uh, I, I'm super excited to see this. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of, also, I'm a little bit surprised, right? Because I, I don't know that I thought of Tyro this way, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm super excited that he is. Right. Because this is a guy who is led on the field and now he's leading off the field. And I think this is the kind of guy that you need in the clubhouse. You know, I think everybody's going to look at him in a different way. Right. And I think all of his performances are going to make a different kind of um, have a different impact on the rest of the team. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we hadn't planned on on talking about this uh, today, but then just to see uh, someone like Tyro kind of stepping up, I feel like um it's great to hear from a fan's perspective because you you know that the team is struggling. You know that they're probably feeling a lot of frustration, and so to have somebody kind of you know address it and head on and challenge the team to you know go back to their roots and to play the way they've been playing in the past, uh, I think sends a big message to to them and also I think to to us as fans because it seemed like especially a couple games in Atlanta, you know, against Atlanta where they were going, going through the motions a little bit, right? It's just that fire wasn't there, you know, and, and, and in baseball, it's hard to kind of sometimes see emotion play out and, and translate into success. But, you know, it just seemed like the, the bats were not as aggressive. They were, you know, not, they weren't playing to their capability. And so finally to see a player get up and say, Hey, this isn't okay. And we need to, we can do better. You know, I think, uh, makes me feel excited about this team and and i think that you know maybe they can carry that momentum of beating a really good atlanta team uh into their next series against the reds yeah and i think the message that he wanted to convey is that they're still in it and i think that's the kind of message that we've been conveying on this episode like like the giant this team is still in it right i i know that they have not had a good run but they have had a good run against really really tough teams and and maybe that bodes not so great for the future in the playoffs. But you know what? That's seven weeks from now, six weeks from now. Let's worry about that then. 
right? Right. And who knows? By then, maybe you have Harrison and Duvall and Cobb established as your rotation, and then it's just Rogers, Rogers, and Duvall, and you know, and victory. And I think that's a formula that could really work. And if you get everybody healthy with Tyro and Wilmer continuing to play like they've played all season, but you get Hanniger back and you get Yaz back and you have maybe Bailey and, and, and Meckler, who's looking like he's making the adjustment to the major league levels the same way he made the adjustment to every other level in professional baseball. Like this is a team that can make a deep run. I know it doesn't look like it right now. But, you know, this is a tough team. I mean, this is a team that's got issues with injuries, that is playing some really good baseball teams, and I don't think that is necessarily indicative of the quality of this team overall. And I think that's probably the same message that that Tyro's conveying. Absolutely. And I think that it's hard. You know, I've been really kind of disheartened with some of the play of the Giants. I mean, we we want them to take that next step and show that they're at – at the level of a team like the Braves. But then you look at like the starting lineup at one of their games. You know, when you, if you count the starting pitcher, Ryan Walker, there were five rookies starting that game and no major league team is going to be successful throughout the season. If you're playing five rookies uh, in a game. And so I, I feel like, you know, the injuries are they're easy to point to, but it's also been a reason why, you know, they haven't maybe lived up to some of the expectations. You got someone like Yaz coming back. Uh, Hanniger, although wasn't playing well beforehand, he's got a track record. He could be that shot in the arm that they need. Uh, and, and at the very least, you got guys. These are guys who are experienced Major League Baseball players who um, maybe won't make mental mistakes or won't make the, the mistakes that maybe a rookie would. Uh, and also have the experience uh, and track record of playing successful baseball so uh, that the rookies really just don't have. So as much as the excitement it has been for to see these rookies, I really don't want to see five rookies playing, you know, starting a game for the Giants over the the last 30 games of the season. I, you know, it's just it's not a winning formula. Uh, it's exciting for the future for sure. Uh, but. Yeah, and and some of those guys will certainly be counted on to produce, you know, over the next month. But if you insert someone like Yaz and someone like Hanniger back in, I think that provides the most stability going forward and not relying on on rookies. Well, I mean, I think that brings up an interesting point, Matthew, because you know, you and I have discussed earlier in the season whether or not like this would be a successful season if the Giants finished close to playoffs, but not in it, given the number of rookies that they have debuted this year and given an opportunity to. And I said, yes, I, I think that this is a successful season because this organization really needs to prove that it can grow and, 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 and graduate impactful players from the minor leagues, especially since it seems to be incapable of signing free agents. And I know that they have all kinds of excuses and reasons for that, but that's just, that's just, you know, hot air from my perspective. Like if this organization cannot prove that it can promote great players from its own minor leagues, then it has no hope. (laughs) Right? Like, like, I mean, just to be perfectly blunt and honest about it, like if, 
if the Giants aren't going to win with homegrown players and they aren't going to sign impactful free agents, then the Giants aren't going to win. Right. So for me and from my perspective, it is absolutely essential that they grow homegrown players and that they promote great players from the minor leagues. And also there's there's the fact that every team needs that. Right. I mean, largely, that's how the Braves got good. Right. That's how the Braves became one of the best teams in baseball. Now, I'm sure they acquired a lot of those players, some some of those players via trade. But most of the Braves lineup as it is today was established and built through drafting and developing great players. And the San Francisco Giants need to be able to do that as well. And so while I agree with you that it's probably not to their best um, and not to their advantage this year to have five rookies starting, at the same time, I kind of want to see more of the young players play. Like, I want to see Matos and Ramos and Meckler and Bailey and, yes, even Sable and Harrison and Wynn and Walker. I want to see a lot of that, and I want to see more of those guys. I want to see Schmidt, you know? I want to see... I mean, am I missing anybody, or did I hit all the big names? I think you hit all the names. (laughs) I want to see Wynn. I want to see Beck. Yeah, but I, I and, think, I mean, on one hand, it's great to say you want to see them. On the other hand, I don't know if they're necessarily going to translate into a championship club this year, right? So there is that kind of, I think, you know, the Giants are playing that game right now. They're trying to balance between, you know, they're needing these young guys. They're not bringing them up for their development. I think they're bringing them up because they need them to produce, uh, which is asking yeah. a lot of a of a major league rookie to to do, especially in the heat of a pennant race. So um, I'm just not entirely sold that this is going to be the solution, but it has been at least interesting, right? It's been something that has kept our interest, uh, even when the team isn't playing well. I mean, I think everybody was on the edge of their seats to see the Kyle Harrison debut, uh, which was, um, you know, I, I think it wasn't maybe the result, but giving up a home run to arguably the best home run hitter in the game is not a, a bad thing. And uh, he struck out, you know, a lot of players and looked really good doing it. And so it was exciting. And, you know, it doesn't even matter that, it, that you know, the Giants are struggling at this point if we have that that maybe that that glimmer of hope for uh, next year uh, and, and beyond. Well, I was really encouraged by that start. I, I really felt like they had discovered something that, um, you know, I think they saw something in the fact that left-handers were were having a better, easier time against him than the right-handers. Yeah, which was weird. And they had him, yeah, it was very weird. And, and I think, uh, although I did hear Fleming say in the rap that Harrison mentioned that lefties seemed to be getting to him a little bit more recently. So it wasn't mm. just wasn't just Stott and it was it is it Stott and 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 um, Bryce Harper, but it was others as well in the minors. Got it. But but I I do think that that really brings up an interesting question, which is, can this team with the rookies make a deep run into the playoffs? And also on top of that, given what what Tristan Beck did today, right? Tristan Beck started the game and he pitched into the fifth inning, right? And I want to make that, I want to say that again. Tristan 
Beck. Notice that his name, Matthew, is not Cobb or Webb. <laughs> right. He started the game and he pitched into the fifth inning. I don't even know. Maybe that should have been the trivia question today. When was the last time that happened where somebody not named Cobb or Webb started the game and pitched into the fifth inning for the Giants? I think that was a huge thing. But also, like, it, it also begs the question, like, why can't we have at least a four-man rotation of Webb, Cobb, Beck, and Harrison? And if he were healthy... You know, and unfortunately, he's not. But and, and and he did make his he did make a comeback off of the IL about five days ago. But why couldn't we also have Keaton win in that? Why can't the Giants have a normal standard five man rotation with those five guys? And and you know, I mean, it, you know, in theory, recognizing that Win came off of the injury, why can't we have four starters right now? And do we have? Is that what we can expect going forward? I guess. Is it is well, it now right. the I, yeah. Beck, Harrison, Cobb, and Webb? It, it could be, right? I mean, it certainly seemed that way. It seemed like that there was, you know, the broadcast was ESPN, so it's kind of hard to kind of know how much those announcers know, but it seemed like they expected uh, they expected uh, Tristan Beck to only pitch a couple of innings today. Uh, and then, you know, but maybe it was because he was p- pitching so well and so efficiently that he just worked his way up into the fifth. I don't know. Well, but that makes no may- sense whatsoever. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but but it it because it, it doesn't seem like that's the standard that's not the operation. Way. What's that? That's not the Kapler way. You well, don't I- plan a guy on going two innings and then have him go into the fifth. Right, right. That is not the Kapler way. But I feel like maybe, I, and that's why it's hard to to guess because I don't know if these announcers were just going by what maybe they've done in the past, or maybe they had some information from Kapler that he was only going to go. Uh, two innings, uh, but nonetheless, you know, he he proved that he can go more, and so I don't see why they couldn't, you know, kind of transition into an almost normal rotation with those four that you mentioned. Uh, and uh, but to answer your question about why we don't see that, it's because you know the Giants have they've got other options. They've got you know we've seen all the guys that they've been cycling through. Uh, they like their starter. They like their middle relief guys, and they're not going to change that, or they haven't. Maybe, maybe now, out of desperation, they will. I don't know, but it, it just—it seems like they've got their way of doing things, and uh, they're they're sticking to it. Well, I mean, I think the Giants can make the playoffs with adding Beck and Harrison to their rotation, and quite honestly, I don't care what that means for Junis, Stripling, Manea, and Wood. I don't care. Like, if that means that one of those guys has to go watch the Giants play from his home on TV, fine. Because that's not the future of Giants baseball. And I really don't think that the Giants are going to be better this year with with two of those four guys instead of Beck and Harrison on the roster. And I know they're all on the roster right now, and it fits. But, you know, I, I mean, there's going to be people... Uh, presumably coming off of the IL. Well, Brebbia uh, for one. Brebbia. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and so like, I, I would much rather see Beck and Harrison in a rotation than anything that you're giving to me from Junis, Wood, Manea and Stripling. Stripling, right? Like I would much rather see those two guys than, than whatever combo of those other four guys you're going to give me. 
And yeah. and on top of that, you know, I, I do believe on the offensive side that you're right. Like Hanniger coming back, if he can finally get everything healthy and put it all together, I mean, that guy's got a lot of pro- lot to prove. I mean, geez. Oh, totally. Can you just stay healthy for two weeks, dude? <laughs> and like hit the ball? Like, come on. You know, stop making me look like a smart guy because I'm an idiot sitting in his closet. And just you've done exactly what I expected out of you this year. Like, get healthy, come back and hit the ball and be the guy that we need. And we also need Yaz to come back. Right. And be healthy. And I would love to see those two guys. And I and I know that that means that a couple of rookies are probably going to have to go back to AAA. Um, and so I think you're right there. But, you know, everything being equal, I mean, I, I would rather see them play as many rookies as possible and compete for a playoff spot than for them to run a bunch of old guys who aren't even going to be on the team next year. Or if they are going to be on the team next year, it's because they, they couldn't opt out of their contract and go get a better deal, right? Like, I would much rather see the younger guys and at least have some hope for next year than a bunch of retreads. And I'm not really sure. I'm not 100% convinced that you're going to see much difference in the standings either way. I think that Yaz and Hanniger are going to make a big impact. But beyond that, I don't know that there's any veterans that have the capacity to do so that that aren't already on the 26-man roster. All right, but That yeah, includes Michael Conforto. Who's also on the IL again. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you look at the list of the IL, it's, it's a, it is an interesting and deep group there. You know, you've got, uh, well, the other one is, is Brandon Crawford, you know, who's gone on the IL as well. Uh, so I, you know, there's, there's, uh, it's going to be right. interesting. Yeah. I mean, Cross got to be on there when he's healthy. That's. Does he though? I, yes. Does he though? Yes. Now, I'm logically that... wrong. I'm emotionally right. Okay. That's what I was, is that an emotional answer? That was my go. That is an emotional answer. Yes. 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 And I agree. I agree. He has to be. But he hasn't played like he deserves to be. Don't give me Craw over Hanniger. I mean, sorry, don't give me Hanniger over Craw. No, but how would I mean, come on. You know, we got the DeYoung era has started. You know, uh... Uh, he had one good game and it and, and it was a great game. Yeah, I believe I texted to you forever. Giant when he had his hit in extra innings. Totally. Uh, yeah. Forever giant Paul DeYoung. Um no, I mean, I, I, I like it's had one game, get one good game out of four. They're two and two in the Paul DeYoung era. <laughs> but you know what? He's just he's just another Camargo. Like whatever. I mean, I know he's had a good track record behind him, but no, no, like like kick him to the curb as soon as Cross back, unless he's hitting four hundred, and then in which case, yeah, okay, maybe it is. I mean, I guess Schmidt Schmidt's on the roster right now, right? Right, yeah. So it would be Schmidt or DeYoung that would be that would be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like it. It will probably. Well, here's the thing, right? That's an interesting question. Who should it be? Because I know that the leadership team that we have now would probably say, "There's no question. A thousand times out of a thousand, I'll pull. I'll, I'll choose DeYoung based on his previous track record." Right. But is that really the right answer? I'm not 100 percent convinced that it is. I would rather have Casey Schmidt go through a playoff chase, a pennant chase, well, a pennant chase, as it were, a playoff chase, than have Paul DeYoung go through a playoff chase. 
Well, yeah, I, I think Paul DeYoung is the, I mean, he's just like Haniger, Conforto, you know, all these guys that are on the team have this track record that hasn't translated over to the Giants. Correct. Correct. And they were great for the teams that they used to play for. And I have really no guarantee that they're going to be great Giants. And a lot of them, if they do end up being Giants next year, it's because they played lousy. Right. This year because of those stupid contracts Farhan gives out. Yeah. Well, and, and Hanniger looking at his, I mean, you look at his weighted runs created plus throughout his career. He is outside of his rookie year has always been above average player. And um, and so even now, Zips and you know all the projection systems are even projecting Hanniger to 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 be an above average player. But uh, you know, then time do is it, running bro. Out. Then I'm, do it. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, uh, I think we're kind of nearing the end of the episode. Uh, we'll probably get into the trivia answer uh, for today's question. And the today's question was, what San Francisco Giants pitcher debuted in 2003 as the Baseball America's top pitching prospect? And folks, John, uh, Ben had mentioned, what did you mention? You mentioned some dude, some Australian dude. Damien Moss. Damien Moss as his answer, which was not correct, but there is a tie-in to Damien Moss because Ooh. the answer is Jesse Foppert, who made his major league debut in 2003. And That's he, not a real name. It, it, I know. Foppert. It doesn't sound like it. Jesse Foppert sounds like a a, uh, a Muppet or something, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, he was uh, he was baseball's number one pitching prospect when he made his debut in 2003 and and he pitched uh, two innings against the Houston Astros in relief of Damian Ross. Uh, So that's where Moss. Thank you, Moss. See, I don't even know the guy. I don't even remember the dude, but you did. You knew he was from Australia. That's how like savant you are. But uh, um, so which. I think the scary part about that is that he was the top pitching prospect in baseball, and uh, we don't even remember him. He pitched in 27 games over his entire entire career, going eight and nine, with a 85 ERA plus. Uh, his total ERA, if you want to know, is five, which has never been good in any era. Uh, and his career whip was a 1.6. Now, maybe he got hurt. I'm going to go back and look at his transaction records here. Uh, let's see. He was traded by the Giants in 2005 with Yorvit Torrealba to the Seattle, Seattle Mariners for Randy Wynn. The Mariners released him two years later, and he never appeared for them in the major leagues. He signed with the Giants again in 2007. He signed with them again in 2008, and then he signed as a free agent with the Florida Marlins in 2009, and that was the last we heard of Jesse Foppert. So yeah, I mean, you know, the pundits, the number one prospects, they don't always work out, folks. Nope. So Cal Harrison could be just a uh, blip in the screen. We we will see. He's not. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to win 311 games. All right. He's going to be, he's gonna well, be inducted with Patrick Bailey and um, and uh, and Casey Schmidt. They're all going to go in the same class with their seven World Series rings. 
and uh, and Blake Sable will have two of those rings, and then he'll have lost to the Giants in the World Series uh, uh, three other times. That's all again. That's all true. Write it down. Oh, you are writing it down. I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. That's oh man. When we're doing like good. season like thirty of uh, Giant Cocktails, we'll <laughs> revisit that. Nice. All right. All right. Well, looking ahead to next week, uh, my cocktail is a cocktail called the Summer Days. It's an original and an, and it is an, an improvement, I think, off of my Summer Haze cocktail. Ben, what are you drinking next week? I am drinking a gin, sorry, a gin cure cocktail. What does cure mean? Well, you're going to have to listen to Thursday's episode to find out. That's right. And then uh, as far as opponents, we're playing the Cincinnati Reds. They come into town for three games. That's right. Followed by a four-game series against those San Diego Padres. Uh, so both those series are going to be really crucial for us doing well. I mean, those uh, are winnable. Like. Those, I think those are series where the Giants are playing teams that you could argue are not as good as them. Right? Yeah. Like and, and so so this the, the the run of the Giants playing superior teams I, I think is now over. They do play the Dodgers later in the season for two series, a home and away. And but the, by then the Dodgers will have clinched first place and so hopefully don't care anymore. I think the worst in terms of strength of schedule is behind the Giants. Now is the time for them to follow Tyro's lead and step up and start proving that they're better than these teams that they're playing. And it's especially these two, right? This is their chance to climb ahead of the Reds and bury the Padres once and for all. All right. And well, we'll see ahead. if Ben is, uh, his prognostications are correct, and we'll see how that fa- uh, factors out next week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, also, give us a positive review on uh on Apple Podcast, I will say I got excited there for a second that we were up to 10 reviews until I realized that the latest one was our mother. So, you know, if you guys who are not are related to us in any way could just go out and give us a positive review on Apple Podcast, that would be great. And thanks, Mom, for the love. Really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it. I'm not going to say she shouldn't have done it because, hey, we'll take every review we can get. But, man, come on, people. <laughs> Don't let our last review be by our mother. All right. Don't forget to follow us on social media uh, at Giant Cocktails on the platform formerly known as Twitter, as well as Instagram and threads and even Mastodon, where you can find our recipes. And uh, especially on X, we are uh, active during games and feel free to tweet at us or I don't know what they call it now. Post at us, X at us, whatever it is. And uh, love, love engaging with you guys uh, in that way. So. Until next week, Ben, it's been great chatting with you. Cheers, my friend. I'm 47 years old, sitting in my closet, and my mother's the last person to review my podcast. (laughs) Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Uh, Adios. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. (laughs) 